So welcome back to another episode of Blockcast. I'm your host Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut. I am Mark, and I'm the founder and CEO of Blockhead. Uh, this is Timothy Mazier, managing editor at Blockhead. Possible, boss Lee here. It still giggles me, even though we've been opening, at right? it for. It is, it is a good opening, bro. It, he, like, he waits for the right moment, la. Yeah, yeah, Jose Bo, right, everybody, mm. right. So recently, not very Jose, right. So you, like really is, not very your... Jose, yeah. Uh, that's the SEC <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't that your usual line? Did you guys feel kind of like a bit tired of the drama already? <laughs> yeah, and you know, actually, I think I think we've been talking about it for a while, and it's like, oh my god, again, again, again. But this week sounds like a big one. Sounds like it is causing a lot, a lot, a lot of shit. So yeah, yeah. come, 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 come. Okay, let's um, let's, uh, let's jump straight. Let, let's yes. just right jump jump right into it, right? Mm. So like, uh, I'm sure most of uh, of the audience would have been, I guess, uh, you've been tuning into this podcast. You know, you guys would know that we've been talking about the SEC and the aggressive actions against some of the more blue chip exchanges that are based out of the US. Finance US and Coinbase like being the, the, the key names. Uh, so I would say like, uh, this should be a round round five really, uh, <laughs> round six. Uh, if, you, if you want to import like boxing <laughs> terminology here. Right? Ding, ding. Ding, ding, right? So like they have, so the SEC has recently um, applied to come up for a restraining order against Binance. I think that this would, re- would severely restrict its business operations in the US. There's also been, I think if I'm not wrong, uh, an order to, or rather like, you know, like an emergency order to kind of freeze withdrawals right uh, from Binance you know so I think that uh, in response you have like you know like uh, CZ coming out to say that this would you know irreversibly damage Binance's ability to do business in the US and I think that you know I, the long story short of this is that just the latest in an ongoing you know series of lawsuits that like it or not I feel like it adds to just this broad narrative that the US is anti-crypto right now whether it's true or not like, I think that, that that narrative is is starting to become entrenched so that I would say like the big the first big story of the day that we can discuss no but yeah. the crux of this story and this particular SEC drama is that there's quite a lot of outflows right and that for, it's, for sure. it's, it's causing impact, a lot yeah it's not is just huge. a narrative it's not just a narrative oh no right? the, the, yeah. the, it, when I say narrative like you know like I think that you know I, I, I don't mean it from like a touch and go thing like in the, I think in this case like you know the, the, that, that narrative has a lot of impact right like you have uh, a combined net outflow of like 3.1 billion right um, very Ethereum and another 864 million in Bitcoin uh, but it was reported last Monday to Thursday it is a kind of a bank run on exchanges, mm. you know, uh, in Binance, right? And it's easy to see why, because, you know, people are scared. Yeah. I mean, there are concerns, like, you cannot withdraw from Binance. Uh, there was a lot of misinformation coming out on CT, the crypto Twitter as well. So, like, after the SEC incident uh, on Binance and also Coinbase. So, one of the things coming out from, one of the information was that uh, they might stop the operations of Binance. But, uh this information wasn't clear, right? Because it, it was like there was two entities, uh, the Binance US and Binance International. So people are also concerned uh, whether if the operation stop, will the fund be locked up or not? Uh, but there was a small PNC or some notes uh, that it says that even the operation stops, right? So if today I want Binance US operation to stop, customers are still able to withdraw their assets. But this information wasn't like truly out there. Like the core information was, oh, operation is going to stop. We have to pull everything out. That's why you see an outflow. Another outflow I see personally is from those uh, funds. Can be VC funds, private equity, whatever that are, have a small chunk. Their small chunk is a wheel size. La. <laughs> but are, so for them, they also don't want to, you know, get into all these uh, legal issues, right? And uh, so some of them will exit or just let it go. So the past weekend was quite painful, right? At least I feel those in, in crypto. Uh, there was a big drop. There was a sell-off. 
that's how I see uh, the outflow coming out from SEC. But uh, overall, there has been many rounds. Myself, who is also very bullish of crypto, is getting a bit tired uh, of this. So when when are they going to stop? I I I think but I think the the the, the important question here is like you know like why is this happening? I'm, I'm not sure whether you guys have any views on this. Why do they seem to be going after like these crypto exchanges? I have a view. La. I think two things. Uh, one thing is that they never find a proper way to tax it. Because anything that happens in the DeFi space, there's no way to like exactly tax it. Like you have to depend on the person to actually... If you're in US, you have to actually report yourself, give the transaction to your accountant and do the tax filing and all. So that's one. And number two is, I think cryptocurrency as a whole from... It's just pure guessing. Uh, it can be a replacement for US dollar, like Bitcoin. Like the stability, yep. right? So you are kind of like a threat. Uh. So if I can bring you down now, then uh, I will try to bring you down. Uh, but uh, it's pure speculation on my end. No, I, 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 I don't I, think it's just speculation. I don't right? think speculation, yeah. especially with the USD I think there's portion, some consensus uh, with the maxis yeah. you know, on, on yeah. that line. Really, really, really. And even to be fair, to be fair, even I'm not a maxi, I also think that that's the main reason why the US now is trying to like hunker down right because it's gotten too serious and there's a lot of money flowing out into another system and if this yeah. other system can kind of thrive along right then it challenges the US's system and exactly. I think yeah. the economy is yeah. 80% anchored on services in the US you know which is directly indirectly all tied to the Wall Street and the financial sector right so whether is it the legal the business administrative you know a lot of the, the financial markets they're all tied together and uh, yeah like one kena all, all will kena it's quite serious so yeah my worry is that like I, I feel that knowing the, the US right what should actually be a bipartisan issue there is a tendency for this to actually become like really politicized la. I mean like there's already been talk about you know like the, the next presidential election and then whether like you know like the, the new candidate is going to be you know pro-crypto anti-crypto you know I mean this is a, an aside la, but yeah you know the, the big Miami mayor uh, Francis Soros, <laughs> like the Bitcoin friendly guy, he he has uh, just submitted his bid for the uh, U.S. presidential race mm, mm. Uh, as a Republican candidate. Yeah. So the thing about this is that you know, I mean, if this entire crypto digital asset, you know, like community, right, the ethos has always been like you know to off they shun party politics, right? And then you know the idea here is to <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> rubbish. I mean, okay, la, you know, I mean, rubbish. I'm just no, kind no, of I like. Think, I think my my main my main thing that I, I always found it very puzzling was how like yeah. crypto has been trying to court mainstream finance for a while, right? For the past year or so, I think maybe slightly longer, you know, to try to court mainstream finance and try to like integrate themselves back into TradFi or something, right? And abiding by TradFi standards, trying to get like big investors to come in and all that jazz and and it, it's, it's just to me it's fundamentally weird right because it, it challenges yeah. the baseline of why this even this whole thing even started but i'm not an idea log like i just uh, as an observer out there i just find it very weird but yeah you know i mean that's, that's what they believe internally but then like, i think when it comes to practice like you know i think it's uh, it's very confusing uh. yeah, yeah it is it is, yeah. it is but i think more interestingly is that a lot of altcoins you know um, have, have just kind of like fallen to you know like 20 30 percent over the past week man like you know solana polygon binance you know a lot, a lot of those shit you know, they're all down okay not say shit lah, but they have been shit over the past weekend so yeah any any thoughts like is this a is this something like is this permanent or is it just like a swing type of situation the particular set of tokens or rather coins that drop significantly right are the cryptocurrency that SEC deem as security 
So they have a list that they share yeah. because they need to try to sue Coinbase, right? And they say you are listing this particular set of tokens that are securities. So this particular set, I mean, they fall dramatically uh, like Matic, uh, Polygon. So of course, with the SEC, Sue, Binance, Coinbase, then plus this whole thing that drop, then the rest of the altcoins all drop. But if you pay attention to BTC and ETH, actually the drop is very uh, minimal, right? It's like a yeah. few percent. 3%, and, uh, 5%. Yeah. yeah. Mm. One of the reasons could be a typical person could, oh, so since BTC or ETH is not currently recognized as a security by a community, yet a cryptocurrency, why not I shift, right? So I sell off my Polygon, for example, I move it to BTC. That's one of the things that I see uh, during the weekend and for the token sell-off. Okay, so this whole like security commodity thing, I know we've been talking about it, mm. but then does it fundamentally affect the chain itself? Like Polygon, Solana, like this chain itself? It doesn't, right? So then is there, is there yeah. still fundamental value in them? Or is it just me trying to like dig into something that is a trap? Like will it ride through such that it will revalue itself? I think in my opinion, like once the dust has settled in the US and then like, you know, like once they've kind of, uh, uh, the SEC has extracted the pound of flesh, you know, here, it is not going to be a permanent dip uh, in my opinion because this doesn't affect these chains on a fundamental level. I think it, it really comes down to how these coins or tokens are eventually traded on exchanges and whether these exchanges, you know, can be compliant. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Reggie raises a good point, lah. That yeah. that the, the US course, crypto crackdown. Bro, I'm a full timer in this. I raise good <laughs> points for life. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, so, so this, because this this whole market that is cracking down on, so far, it's just all you know speculative rather than practical. So there's minimal risk for it, for the SEC to, to go. That's what they it. argue, lah. Yeah, la, You know, yeah. but I mean, there is some logic in the argument. So for me, it's just I just really want to understand: is this like a fundamental shift which doesn't look like it, or as compared? to if it's like just a kind of market momentum liquidity moving in and out type of situation which looks more like what is happening now right out of fear there's a move and then there's a momentum swing everybody moves out and then you know uh, market finds a low maybe when it settled in it will come back I'm not sure okay but it's just trying to understand doesn't look like there's real fundamental change to uh, some of these chains you know but it has caused many other things right even with like big trading platforms like Robinhood eToro they all kind of like drop some of these tokens you know and and what have you right so so it's, it's quite it's quite interesting but I, I mean I reckon after like the rules become clearer then this might actually take a while you know they, they will start listing these tokens again it's just a question of whether like if these are in fact securities right then how they will be traded in the platforms would, would be very similar to like you know like your mainstream stock exchanges uh. you know you just want to buy a stock and like you know the issue of like how do they keep custody of like these tokens and customer money etc you know a lot of clarity there uh. no, I mean like at the end of the day crypto is global like 10 years ago when the US financial crimes enforcement regulation took place the effect of it was that crypto grew in asia and, and in the middle east and i guess that's what we will see again now you know with non-us based exchanges like you know Huobi, okx bybit and all that they will take market share from binance places like hong kong might be the only uh, viable option for crypto firms so you know it's a- a- asia's time to to shine with the outflow from the so time in the sun ho ho <laughs> <laughs> And today, today there's a news from Financial Times about HSBC and Standchart yeah, uh, yeah. being so, pressured so to onboard customer, Hong Kong crypto customer. Hong Kong banks on board its uh, digital asset push. Yeah. Yeah. Moving fast and furious. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, so we will I think, Reggie, I think yeah. uh, from listeners' perspective, right, <laughs> I'm guessing they might be interested, like, so with all this, like, crackdown and all, right, so, uh, like, is it safe to hold cryptocurrency, right? Because 
people listening to this will be one of the question, right? Wow, with all this crackdown, is it necessary to take all this risk? Are we going to talk about cold wallets again, guys? No, uh, <laughs> no it's not no. Even about cold wallet. This is about price. It's not about losing that shit. It's about whether this will continue to fall another 30% over the weekend, right? So yes, come boss. Give us your take. No, no. Or maybe portfolio management. Uh. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, portfolio. Please don't put everything in. But okay, <laughs> I know uh, it challenges your baseline assumption. But yeah, come, please tell me. Oh, no. La. So my, my thinking is, so you asked the question earlier, right? So the fundamental doesn't change. The blockchain wouldn't stop working because like Polygon chain will still continue to work even if you remove like all with all these lawsuits, right? The, the chain are still working. Mm. So like the code is law. That's what they say. If you believe, uh, believe. Yeah, you need to believe, <laughs> then, oh, awesome. then maybe, yeah, <laughs> that is just lame, it's awesome. But <laughs> you need to believe, then, uh, <laughs> okay, now my, what can I expect from the guy that always opens with Jose Bo, right? Believe should be something <laughs> that comes out of, comes out of him. But yeah, if you I, believe it will come the halving, then I think it's good to have some uh, allocation of BTC and if lah. I think these are the two blue chips that are first of all not recognized as uh, security and community kind of escape all the legal issues. Plus they are blue chip, so it's not painful la, to hold some of them because if you believe, uh, technology will always surpass all these things uh, in the yeah, reverse to mean, huh? I mean, the, the, mm-hmm. the issue is that the SEC is going after the exchanges because they're saying what they're doing is illegal. They're nothing to do with, with the chains or the tokens. I mean, yes, certain tokens in the SEC's views are illegal, which is why what these exchanges are doing are illegal. But, you know, at the end of the day, the only entities that are affected are the trading platforms and only in the US. Which brings us to the next story here we want to discuss. Uniswap v4. Is it going to be the next big thing or is it more of just the same? So Uniswap v4 just released and uh, there are a bunch of features inside. Uh. So for listeners who don't know what is Uniswap, it is a decentralized exchange. Right, so touching back a little bit about the uh, exchange. So today, even if you don't have Binance, Hopi or whatever exchange out there, if you have the Uniswap is still running because it's uh, decentralized and it's just sitting on the chain and uh, it's powered by smart contracts. So you can go there, easily change your ETH or WBTC or any other tokens uh, to USDT or whatever tokens you want, right? It's a decentralized exchange. So uh, Uniswap has come a long way. Uh, they did a lot of uh, improvement. So the previous improvement was V3 that was concentrated liquidity. Uh, that was one of the key topics. In V3, uh, V4, there are three new things. So number one, uh, gas is king. Why is this? Because there are a lot of big improvement in terms to optimize gas, especially gas fee. So you don't want to be like changing $100 of ETH to USDT, but pay a gas fee of $20. Yeah. Then uh, then this one very painful. <laughs> Stupid. So, yes. v- <laughs> so, <Annoying>. v4, <laughs> so V4 optimize on this. So the second thing about Uniswap V4 is flash loan. So to understand flash loan, right? So what is it? Because on the blockchain, uh, everything is via smart contract. Uh. Technically, some people are doing this, especially those uh, people that are arbitraging. They do flash loan. So for example, there are a lot of DEXs. Uniswap is a DEX. Let's say Balancer is also a DEX. So let's say if you can swap ETH to USDT, $99 on Uniswap. And uh, you can do that. But on Balancer, because of the liquidity issue, just for example, right, you can get it at $98. So what people can do is they can go to Aave, a lending and borrowing protocol, right? They can do a flash loan. Flash loan is everything that takes place in one transaction. What it does is it goes to Aave, borrow money, go to Balancer, buy ETH, take the ETH, go to Uniswap and sell the ETH to get that $1 difference. Shh. 
Shit. All that in one transaction. All that in one transaction. Shit. Uh, okay, and, okay, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, so... I get it. So get people it. do that via millions of dollars. One, uh, like one flash loan, 200 million, so that the one dollar makes sense, right? It, it wouldn't yeah, be like changing the dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, this yeah. has an efficiency because uh, like you only use one gas and all. So Uniswap V4 tries to, in your normal swap, right? They try to implement this kind of structure so that again, uh, the goal is to optimize gas and uh, the capital efficiency uh, so that the, the slippage will not be too high. Uh, the goal is to integrate the business so that they can suck in this business as a feature into their own ecosystem. So for clarity's sake, right, boss, essentially this V4 thing um, will allow people to use that kind of flash accounting structure inside Uniswap itself. They don't need to go to another platform to do it, right? Actually, Flashstone has always been there. Yeah. But it needs to be uh, manually done. Like, mm. for example, you need to write code to execute all this. Right now, they use this structure, right? This set of technique or this set of mechanic and implement it in a normal swap so that you can achieve capital efficiency, less slippage and also better gas. Mm. So they take that concept and make it easier for okay. retail la, just okay. to do a normal change. Okay. Because okay. Uh, again, the key thing is gas. Ma. You don't want to be like doing $100 but pay $20 kind of thing. Mm, mm, mm. I get it. I get then it. Then the third thing is uh, hook management. Uh, now this one, I also a bit confused because you can think of it like they have a open API or they have this hook contract, right? Where users... So if you are into smart contract development, you can write custom logic to do the execution for the swap on Uniswap v4. And uh, after this Uniswap v4 launch with this uh, hook management, right? People are already writing, trying, trying, uh, and learning to write all those uh, custom logic. And you can find all this on GitHub. I also having trouble trying to understand <laughs> management. Uh. It's like it's getting like Uniswap v3 uh, was complicated. I have to say Uniswap V3 was complicated because it is concentrated liquidity on the price range. I think this one need to explain very long, but Uniswap V4, just this hook management alone, I think is... Uh, even uh, crazy. Very complex. <laughs> yeah, even more crazy. Okay, okay, we have a because you can do custom logic. So if I want to be a crypto trader, I also got to be a coder now. You need to be a quant and a coder at the same time because you can implement custom logic on how to do all this stuff. Basically, these are like what? Pool customization and like... Uh, basically, Tim, these are Insti products, right? They have already been around for a lot of the Insti traders in Thread5, mm. right? And and now you start to see you start to see them, you know, manifest uh, in other ways, in, in even in the DeFi world. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the plus thing is that, okay, so again, decentralized, everyone can do it. So today, let's say, team, you, you read out on smart contract, you spend six months, go dive super deep in. You can also, use, it's not like Insti only, right? Like Insti product put into a place where yes. everyone can use. Yes. Today, if I have the skill set, I, I spend nine months chong smart contract and I realize, oh, hook this management, I can do it this way to get some gains, then I can also do it. Mm. It's not like only institution can do it. Like you can do it like $20. It's just whether it's worthwhile to do it with $20. <laughs> <laughs> and, but by the same time, it also prom uh, provides job opportunity. Mm. If you are a blockchain analyst or uh, like into data science and you want to dip deeper into hook management, how can you do this? Maybe next time when certain, no, when the banks and all these, the institution, uh, they really want to get onto DeFi, then they might need this kind of talent, right? So explain to me what is hook management. Then maybe there's a talent that can explain to him and uh, help them to execute all this, but on Uniswap. 
V4. Okay. And today's episode is brought to you by Lifelong Learning Institute. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Have I heard? Have I heard? Have I NTC something. Okay, great. Any one of you got any other thing to ask for Uniswap? It sounds damn cool, yeah. It makes things more complicated or it's, it's for the better? Okay, so on the just retail the user, you don't really care. La. You just yeah. go there and use mm. because it's, it's going to have capital efficiency and lower gas. Mm. But for the smart contract engineers and all these that can... Uh, Know, do a lot more things uh, with all those hook management and all. Uh, it's a big plus. Uh, it's like having more tools for them. Mm, mm. It's the same like what uh, Reggie said just now, right? So like the banks do a lot of crazy things behind the scene because they have a lot of tools. But retail users just go in and just deposit yeah. and lend money and borrow money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly the idea. Cool. I mean, th- this kind of trade customization has been available on centralized exchanges for a while now, right? So th- does this like do anything to challenge, you know, their dominance? Will DeFi finally win, right? I think that's the question, right? Will DeFi, <laughs> will DeFi finally win? There has win? been a report, I think last two months that I've seen that the DEX, that means decentralized exchange, right? the volume are picking up compared to centralized exchanges. Mm. Because you know, one of the big things is that when you are using DeFi, you are actually holding your token, right? You are not uh, like giving the access to someone. For example, I have my asset on MetaMask and I go to Uniswap and swap and the token comes back to me. It's not like I have my asset on Coinbase and if something happened to Coinbase, then what am I going to do? So there has been a surge of volume towards DEX. I am pro DeFi, lah. yeah. Oh, I just like to add one last thing. Uniswap V4 is quite complicated. So I might not have fully comprehended. And uh, yeah, so there might be some mistakes. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I, th- yeah. I think in my opinion, like the selling point for like, you know, DeFi has always been as what Bosley has mentioned. So I think it's, you know, it's new uh, with with uh, Uniswap V4. I think if anything, you know, if this even brings the user experience in line with what we see on like, you know, like centralized exchanges, right? You know, it could actually really lead to a lot more adoption. Wait, but actually, actually yeah. it's not as complicated. Do you all know what is a CDP account? Yeah. Right. So it, it just sounds like it's a CDP account on the SGX, right? Like, like the difference between you directly buying on a broker, which is a centralized, exchange is that actually in name right the equity belongs to them you don't own it they own it but you have the rights to get you it. have a contract you have a contract, yeah, have a contract with yourself them. and the exchange so you, yep, you yep. get from them right and Correct. whereas if you register a CDP account which is uh, in SGX which is you can integrate with SGX then all the shares that you own in the CDP account is belongs to you mm. Right, mm. and you can do a yep. lot of wonderful things mm-hmm. with that. Like mm. you can go to the banks and say that with this CDP account, I have three hundred thousand. I want to get share financing from you, right? Mm. So then you can do that. At the same time, because you own the shares in your CDP account, you can buy from this exchange and sell at another exchange, and it's cheaper that way. So mm. rather than you go to one exchange and pawkale, right, and then that is the centralized exchange. This CDP ecosystem is kind of DeFi-ish, you know, which which I think that's kind of that's kind of where where you in can principle. think. Of Okay, that, that's actually a really interesting yeah, analogy. In principle, Reggie. it is that, easy. That, that, that DeFi is, is right. You you own it and you go to different exchanges to do your transaction and you still own the shares. You can still go to the bank to get financing. That is quite DeFi, what? right? Like you, you actually own the uh, thing partially, of your yeah, own. Partially, yeah, but partially. CDP holds your... Yeah, CDP is a centralized no, no, like organization. The, 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 the SGX, right? CDP, yes, they, they yes, still yes. own your... They own, they own the access to it. Yes, yes, yes. But it's different because the CDP is not a private entity trying to profit out of you, right? It is a central entity that is trying to legal manage 
manage this whole shit lah. But but that's uh, something to think about. I think it will it makes it easier for you to understand like like the the idea behind. So like you know yeah. instead of like having like a for profit like entity managing your shares, you now basically you have like you know kind of like a it's not a stat board, right? Is it a stat board? No, it's, it's not, not a stat board. It's not a stat board. It's not. It's not stat board. It's just a tool that. At the SGX creator on some level. Okay, so that's it for Uniswap. I think there's a lot more to cover as we go along. But today we have the big piece, right? The investigative journalism piece, right? Up up Timothy's alley, right? So so Tim, you wanna bring us through the, the fun story because the first two very heavy, yeah. Uh, whoever that stayed till now already their brain died already. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I mean, the, the, the story that you are referring to is something that we've been working on for the past uh, week or, or two. It's about the ongoing court case that Babel Finance has been involved in. Um, just a, a, a bit of background, right? So uh, Babel Finance is a Chinese crypto mining bank provided loans to crypto miners uh, for a cut of the proceeds. Uh, they moved their operations to Singapore uh, when China started cracking down um, on, on this space. And then they just became essentially a trading firm for high net worth individuals and institutions. They lost about a billion dollars last year in crypto winter when, when everything went south. Basically, they, they had bet big on, on, on crypto long uh, and essentially lost everything. What's going on right now is that they have in court with their creditors who are unhappy with their restructuring plan. We've uh, gone through or uh, had a look at all the affidavits, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages. But, but essentially what's going on now is that Babel has proposed the, the introduction of this thing called Babel Recovery Coins to repay its debt through co-founder, uh, its co-founder's new project called Hope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you couldn't have chosen a better name. <laughs> la. yeah. Okay, guys, guys. So what, what they plan to do is they already messed up the shit. They lost a billion. They, they, they died, right? Then they're going to issue this other coin called Hope to raise money to give hope to the investors of the, the thing that failed previously. Correct, right? correct. <laughs> And the best part about it, all, all the creditors know that like, you know, like there's just no hope of like kind of getting their money back except for this one, right? And so it, it's amazing. Like when you, when you actually read the affidavits, right? It's like you have the founder of like uh, of Babel literally saying, oh, um, you know, it is now a huge accounting problem. And this is, I'm not quoting verbatim, okay? So just, just, just right? Like, you know, it's going to be, it's a huge accounting problem at the moment because all of our creditors' money are always lumped into one account and we don't know whose money is whose. Uh. That's like literally printed in the affidavit, number one. Number two, all this money is in this company that is not even, I mean, it is tied to Babel in the sense that it's part of the Babel group, okay? But it's all in this company called Moon Alpha, okay? And Moon Alpha, right, was a, <laughs> a Hong Kong registered company, right, that Flex Young, the founder, started, I mean, a few years ago before, you know, like Babel actually came along, right? It only just got registered in Singapore, right, uh, sometime at the start of this year when they knew that legal, legal proceedings or like a liquidation or restructuring kind of proceeding, right, was actually imminent. So they, need, they needed the company to be here so they could kind of justify and say, hey, actually, this company is registered here. Therefore, it's kosher for all your money to be in there. It's actually ridiculous. There's, there's a lot going on here, but I mean, like, you know, the idea that you have a whole bunch of creditors that just transferred millions of dollars to, like, <laughs> Babel, and then somehow <laughs> Babel doesn't know how to kind of, like, do the accounting because all the funds are just commingled. And the funds are not even under like the Babel account. They're under this company called Moon Alpha. Moon Alpha, wow. <laughs> Luna will come and save you. I, I just like, <laughs> I mean, 
it's just, it's just like a comedy of errors, uh, you know? So like, or rather... It's a comedy of names, bro. It's like, like, like okay. I, I, I mean, approve like, these branding names anyway? Anybody please. reading this, right? Like, you just read it and don't even need to come off. Like, no allegations, nothing. Like, how is this not fraudulent, you know? That is actually one of the things that it hasn't gotten to that point because, you know, it's all, you know, like, uh, there's still... Uh, well, so what's happening right now is that like Babel actually has uh, successfully applied for a moratorium, right? Bankruptcy, bankruptcy protection, you know, like so like none of the, creditor, the creditors can actually kind of like, actually put forward any claims on the money, mm. right? Until Babel gets its restructuring plans in place, right? And then so the biggest joke of this all is that like the plan is this new token called Hope. <laughs> <laughs> But I think the biggest <laughs> learning lesson of it all yeah, is yeah. that don't be afraid of bankruptcy. Bankruptcy is actually a protection mechanism. But that is a different discussion altogether. Yeah, true, a lot true, of people true. are very afraid of bankruptcy. Actually, bankruptcy support you one, not support the others. Right? Yeah. Like depending on what you're trying to do. So so yeah. yeah. And so what's happening here, Tim? Like like is this is this just gonna be like that? Or like or are we just trying to tell our audience like, okay, don't ever believe in hope. Like, don't buy. Don't buy. <laughs> Most of our audience would have nothing to do with this case, lah. It's, yes, it's just it, it's very interesting, just uh, from an observer's point of view. The the article is pretty long and detailed on on blockit.co. Have a look. It basically brings you up to speed to where we're at with with what's going on with Babel, what they say they're gonna do with their new project, hope, and the mechan- mechanisms of its uh, Babel recovery coin. You know, supposedly pegged to the dollar, backed by BTC and ETH, and intended to be used to pay back creditors. So the issue now is that creditors are not happy with this whole plan, lah. So just have a look. You can, you can make make your own. Uh, I think the, the the other point to to kind of like really make here is that you think about the money that's actually been lost, right? It's a lot of money, right? But the reason why this actually hasn't act, you know, garnered enough the same kind of public attention as like you know like what's happened with uh you know Hoddle Knot, for example, right? It's just oh, simply because, FTX. like, you know, like, yeah, or you know, it's just just a bunch of like uh, companies and, and and rich individuals losing their money, la. So like the in terms of just optics, right? Like, you know, like not enough people are pissed off, la. But like, you know, just just to share some color on like what these guys are like, la. So you know, they used to you know rent the ex DBS office at OUE downtown. It's a massive space, you know. Like, Two floors. And talking about like you know like so like <laughs> great A commercial building, right? And then like you know we had had meetings in the office with them in the early days, right? And like you know they'd be smoking inside the CEO room, so handing out Chinese cigarettes to everybody. Right, so <laughs> very, very proud that the fact that yeah. the room used to be occupied by Piyush Gupta. Yeah, so like you know, it, it was just kind of like smoking cigarettes in like Piyush Gupta's ex room la, with these jokers. La. So like, <laughs> hope la, hope you can only yeah. hope <laughs> you can only hope. I, yeah, so, yeah, so so right now, um, I I guess the court decision is gonna hinge on whether you know Babel or Moon Alpha can provide sufficient evidence to support their claims and address the creditor concerns. The one in this case being Derabit. Uh, so this also proving the viability of, of BRC, transparency of the accounting practices and legitimacy of their connection to Singapore. And then the court also need to determine if Babel or you know, Moon Alpha, whether their proposed restructuring <laughs> plan is feasible and fair to the creditors. Mm. But yeah, I mean, yeah, this is just another one of these crazy cases that you only see in, in the crypto space. Yeah. It continues to babble. So yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. Long, long way to go uh, long for way. the crypto industry. But uh, oh, for sure, yeah. I think this bear market is not good for my portfolio, Boho say. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, it kind of what, uh, like get rid of all this. Weeds out the shit. Actors, uh, yeah, weeds yeah. out the shit, right? Because yeah. if you cannot hold, means, uh, yeah, you, you, no. all these things will be get exposed and all. Uh, mm. and it's no, bro, and it's the same with every industry, even the insurance industry. A lot, a lot of them, right? Because when shit comes down, all get hit, all kana, the payout cannot, they close, and then you know, after a few rounds, the stronger ones will will stay. 
Right? Yeah, I mean, so, it, it's easy yeah. to, to write a, a bull run, but when everything like, you know, dries up, then... What know, do you do, right? Yeah. That's the real question. Nice, nice. So yes, another crazy weekend in crypto. Uh, hopefully we have uh, something a little bit more stable. But okay, actually it's stable. Then got no news. We can't cover, right? So so that's the problem, lah. Huh? So rocky roads ahead. Yeah, yeah, rocky roads ahead. <laughs> no, so yeah. if it's stable, then we can pursue what Boss Lee was talking about. The the whole um, you know, the whole stuff how to is defy, it. La. Yeah, yeah. How to defy, right? We need to do the more wholesale stuff. Cannot keep always do the wholesale stuff. But yeah, cool. So um, any last words from anyone? If not, that will be the end. Just, uh, it comes down to how much you believe. No, believe. <laughs> that shouldn't be the last one. That should is, be it, is, it, is, that a, is that our next t-shirt? Because I, 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 no. I'm not going to wear that. No. <laughs> okay, actually, it's a very cool t-shirt. Unbelievable. Right? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> B-U-L-L-I- E-M copyrighted trademark yeah okay I'll register I'll register before you I'm gonna register the website so yeah that's it for today go gonna take care and we'll see you next week bye guys bye bye Hey Coconuts, so yes, uh, I hope you enjoy this new show that we're building together with the team at Blockhead and uh, the goal is very clear, right? We're not here to shield any token or be a cheerleader for any project but we feel that there's a lot of development that's going on in this space that we could cover and continue to be a little bit smarter um, as investors. I mean, eventually you tune in every week to a financial podcast network so that you can be smarter with your investments and if it so happened, this is something that you're looking at the crypto space, Web3, Metaverse, all these kind of stuff then that is where we're trying to cover but not from the angle of like this is good that is bad but really trying to see it from like what is happening how is it developing and I hope you find this useful and interesting right so if you want to continue to get more coverage around the crypto space check out blockhead.co and then we will see you next week <laughs>